Hello and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show broadcast live from Upload Virtual Studios. We've got some fun stuff for today and this week. And with that first subject, I'm ready to fight uh, fight some 360 video people. Oh man! Okay, all right. See, this is a subject that I've been waiting for our site to delve into. We've talked about this numerous times, and I guess maybe it's time that we start talking. So our first news of the day today, Canon photography people take heed. Canon made a $2,000 lens for shooting 3D VR video. Canon will start shipping a dual fisheye lens with an estimated retail price, $1,999 that can shoot 3D 180, 180 degrees video when paired up with the EOS R5 camera. Now, are you a photography nut as i am ian i have been okay. in the past i have i sold all my uh, equipment to uh, focus on phone photography because it's okay. the camera that's with yeah. me all the time yeah i know exactly i was a photog as they call them not the not the he-man character that never came into fruition look it up photog i was in the team canon world not uh not nikon not uh, sony not, but uh, I actually even did wedding photography professionally for a few years. I don't recommend that at all. Man, Team Canon though, the EOS series of digital cameras is totally awesome. The R5, this is a $4,000 piece of kit, just the body, not the lens. It's 5000 with their standard lens if you want to go out to uh, B&H video or whatever, B&H photo. <sighs> this lens does 100, what is it, 100 and, it's almost 190 degrees. 3D fisheye at a 60 millimeter IPD. So on the low end of average, are, are we going to start covering <laughs> content creation hardware? Because uh, this is just one of many pieces of hardware out there that can make this type of content. Ian, are we delving in now? You no, know, I think it's an exception <laughs> because of the, the Canon brand being such everything you let off with there. That camera system, the, the interchangeable lens system that Canon and Nikon have like a, almost a duopoly on of just like professional creators for um, competing for the, these incredible lenses to take photos you can't reasonably take with any other method. Super telephoto lenses, super wide angles that are incredible to look at. Those are the things you can attach to any of these Canon or Nikon cameras. And so having an, an, a lens that you can attach to a Canon camera and instantly transform it into a VR camera is an interesting prospect for the year 2018, in my opinion. 2021, 2022, I'm really curious to see how many of these lenses they actually sell and how that compares to like their their regular lenses and, and how those are selling these days with the rise of so many other ways of taking a, a pretty picture. So there's a couple things to parse there. Number one, you said a VR camera. You actually said that term, I, a VR I know. camera. I went out there on the limb and said it. It's a tough It's a tough conversation to have because there are people that will and have for years said 3d 180 or 3d 160 video is not vr because you are in a three doff situation a three degree of freedom situation you cannot get up and move around in it so really the argument is well, the debate i don't want to say argument the debate is whether or not three doff headsets three doff content 
is actually VR. And it's it might actually flow in, <laughs> flow into one of our other news topics later. I like the idea of calling this a VR camera or a VR photography uh, piece of equipment because I think I am in the team that believes that 3D 180, 3D 160 video content is vr i'm okay with that being considered vr but then you also made the comment of i have a i have a phone in my pocket that can make that can take pictures all the time that are just as good a quality and i could even maybe even do stereo with some of these pieces of equipment and take uh, a 3d photo with some of these pieces of equipment in our phones why are we coving Yeah, 3D stereoscopic and the stabilized video you can get out of a phone are two different things. Uh, There is an added benefit of getting stereoscopic wide angle. That is nice video when it is done. The problem is it's hard to do well. This has, has a very nice focus range, so it can focus on things that are pretty close up to the lens, relatively speaking. But I'm really curious to see, like, it's an oddity almost to see this kind of camera released this year, in my opinion. Like that's to, to your point of like what these things came and went in large numbers two to three years ago, and they did not really sell well. And there wasn't really a demand for content made in this format, except I will say there's a handful of high-end photographers who could do some really cool work with this type of camera system. But like I, I, Google did those VR 180 cameras. There was the Lenovo one. And if you just uh, set that camera down on a table and try to take a video with it, it could be pretty uncomfortable because the table is like where your face is going to end up being as the camera person. It ends up being a pretty challenging thing to, to take good video with these types of camera systems. And so it might have like a nice fit with the Canon photographer, like with the professional photographer with who might want this kind of lens for their camera system. But it's really curious. We have seen like everything from a couple hundred dollars to $30,000 plus camera systems for VR video capture over the years. And none of them have really caught on. It's just an oddity in itself that Canon would come out with this in the year 2021, almost 2022. Has it really not caught on? Are we actually saying that this isn't a technology that's being used mainstream? Because I feel like there is, and trying to keep this very delicate and very PG, I believe that there is a wide variety of usage for this sort of hardware for entertainment purposes. For those of you who consume that form of entertainment where 360 or 180 stereo may be advantageous. Now, to give an example that we can discuss, we have talked many a times with Heaney in regards to putting an audience in our studio, an audience in our studio that would be able to consume our show with VR in mind, sitting in a seat watching us do this show in VR. Now, you will not be able to get up and walk around. Therefore, it will be a three degree of freedom experience that you will be able to sit in the studio and consume this 
while we record it in VR. For those of you who are making the argument that 3DOF is not VR and stereo 360 video is not VR, would you then be consuming a VR experience Mm. if you were sitting in our studio right now? I'm asking that question to provoke thought because I don't really think that any one side of this debate is right or wrong. I think that there's valid arguments on both sides. But I am curious if that convinces folks, if they know that this is a VR produced show, if you're consuming it by means of 360 3D video, 3DOF, not being able to move, is it VR enough for you to call it VR? It's It's an interesting (sighs) question of what people will pay for and what they will seek out on a regular basis and and what they get out of it. Watching the show from a fixed perspective is not the same as like raising your hand with a question. And that's kind of like the gap between 3DOF video and fully interactive virtual reality that's so compelling to so many people these days. So if you're able to sit there and feel like you're in the studio, that's cool. But being able to raise your hand and ask a question or or enter the conversation with us is a completely different thing. And if I think there's platforms maybe that are in between those two things, those two experiences of being able to interact from a 2D screen to a VR experience is what a lot of people are doing with us right now just via the text box chat at the end of the, the YouTube live stream. But what do they get out of actually coming into the studio with us? And I've described it out pretty well and that's not what is captured by this format like you can't you lose the interactivity a lot of benefit to it but if you're still coming up short on some of those most compelling things that vr really offers it becomes a question of i don't know what i imagine there would be an audience that would want to feel like they're sitting in our studio for example but i think people would be willing to uh pay more or yeah pay more to come and actually have that hand raising experience whereas i don't think they'd want to pay necessarily for just feeling like they're sitting in our studio this is a uh, like we mentioned earlier a 4000 to 5000 dollar camera base just the body and then the lens itself is 2000 dollars uh this is not I would not even consider this to be prosumer. The prosumer is about two grand overall, I think, 1500 for the body and maybe another 500 for a night. That under, under $2,000 is what I would, I personally consider prosumer. This is definitely higher than prosumer. They expect professionals to purchase this kit this setup they're not going to expect joe public to go buy this and produce content this is definitely for pros so now i wonder we've had the the coming and going of 3d tv may it rest in peace but 3d movies is still a thing things are still being shot in those weird 24 frame per second stereo 48 interpolated blah 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 is is this maybe going to be that go-between that's going to bring more people into 3D movie to make it more mainstream, to give us more content to consume? Because it really is a passive experience, like you were saying about raising your hand and, oh, I have a question, I want to interact. Does it have to be interactive for it to be considered true VR? 
Another question that doesn't have an answer, rhetorical there, but think about that. Does it have to be interactive for it to be VR? And I think everybody has a different opinion on that. It's so tricky. Like I always think of baseball, MLB at bat, as like the perfect example of this cutting edge technology group that's trying to show baseball in whatever format you want to consume it. And so if you're a hardcore baseball fan, you can watch the live in play-by-play version of the game and see the runners moving from base to base in a very detailed way. And it's not too many steps far beyond like having an a full like rendered video game version of a game that like just does exactly what the players are doing repeated back maybe 30 seconds behind what the live television is doing like why couldn't you have a mlb uh baseball game for playstation come out and just replay everything basically live that's happening up on the tv screen and it'll still look very much like the actual game you'll get some little details wrong you won't see little things that the players are doing exactly matching what they're doing on the screen but you could still put on a vr headset and watch a vr rendered version of that game play out there's just such a gap Uh, there's a lot of like next vr is i think they were purchased weren't they their streaming service they did such a great job with their live streaming technology And then there's Felix and Paul that's doing, that does an incredible job with things like Cirque du Soleil captures to put you in the front row of a Cirque du Soleil event. And there's those handfuls of examples of content creators doing amazing things with a 3D 360 video. It's just, I'm curious, for example, what nature photography looks like when captured with this camera system. If you could really do a great job with some nature captures. I think this might be a good fit for that. But that's dozens or hundreds of photographers, not the kind of camera systems that they're trying to build into the Ray-Ban sunglasses, where they're trying to get those out to tens of millions of people. And the the types of videos that come out of like the Ray-Bans are these super stabilized, with super wide angle videos that really take you inside the viewpoint of someone. I'd be curious to see whether glasses-based photography stays ahead of SLR photography um, and sort of those wide angle 3D captures. I don't know. I'd be curious to see what happens with both phones and glasses over the next few years and what that does to the interchangeable lens system i i don't know does are we still going to have interchangeable lenses a decade or two from now is that going to be a prosumer market even as it is today is it going to be as large or larger than it is today or is it going to be even smaller i don't know those are all very good questions and we really don't know you mentioned the whole idea of stabilization i remember in the early days of of vr the 360 video if they moved the camera at all it would induce some uncomfortability with some folks where it would create some level of nausea because the proprioception, the the confusion of the brain that you're moving, but you're not moving, it, it can cause some problems. And so I feel like this type of setup here, it, it really is asking to be on a really sturdy tripod, not moving. And ah, it's a toughie. One of the one of the best practices that came out early on is you do not take somebody's head and move it around. 
you do not move somebody's head. You let them move their head. And with 3DOF VR, if you want to call it that, you can't move your head. And so moving it for them is very unsettling to some people. Now so, you get used to it, in my opinion, but that not everybody does. One of the things definitely to note here, just for people catching up on this camera system. So it's called the Canon RF5 2mm f2.8 L dual fisheye lens. $2,000, supposed to arrive in late December, but it's going to come with a subscription-based software utility and an Adobe Premiere Pro plugin, quote, for completing the post-production process. And Canon says it will also offer free trial periods for that software, and there will be a way to do some of these things for free if, like, you only process a clip that's a certain length. It's kind of like you have to do a subscription if you want to edit quite a bit of footage i will be the the really neat thing about this video format that i'm really curious if it catches on is that stabilization technology can you crop a great 16 by 9 video out of a larger wide field of view image and how does that look over time does it look cool if you're doing uh certain types of photography with it i just i'm curious like Facebook, Apple, Google are in this race where they're doing just un, unbelievable amounts of processing of photography, both on local devices and in the cloud. And I'm convinced, and I've been convinced that for a long time, that there's there's a format that captures, lets you move your head around a little bit but lets you see a 3D scene in front of you and lets you lean around it, but fills in the gaps for you computationally while not you can't break it completely. You couldn't walk around behind your image and have it work, but maybe you could lean around a little bit and not be so stuck in place. But like, it's a bummer that you have to do, uh, you have to use Canon software as a subscription to get stuff out of this. But it might be possible to do some really neat things with that software. I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens with it. I, I have a feeling that the fact that the software exists is because of their specific target audience for this product. I think that the target audience wants the Canon plug-in, wants the Canon stuff. But yeah, you are right. Ian, if I had to choose a format, I would say 3D 180, where... I am not a 3D 180 wrapped around me, a half dome where I can move a certain amount of just movement, just slightly, not a lot. There's a small dome inside that I'm allowed to move around in. So that way it's not fixed to my head. I think that is the sweet spot in my opinion. I'll be curious to see if we see like a resurgence. I have a whole bunch of stereo and monoscopic 360, 180 cameras just chilling in my VR dungeon right now, collecting dust. Should I clean the lenses and start making some content? Maybe we can yeah. start. No? Man. Mm, no, okay. we're good. Okay. I did a really nice one of, I set a 360, a stereo 360 camera in the middle of a Monopoly board and played Monopoly with my family. So that was intriguing. Of course, how many times is somebody going to want to spin around in their chair to look and see whose turn is it? Who, who owns Boardwalk? Who owns Park Place? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the usage is very specific right now to certain industries. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Hey, what do you think? Should we move on? Yep. All right. All right.
Next piece of news. Links AR VR headset Kickstarter launches with a $500 price. Uh, French startup Links just launched a Kickstarter campaign for its upcoming standalone AR VR hybrid headset. Yeah, so I jumped on and got myself one. And then being in the US and they had some VAT, which is tax stuff that they had to go back and finagle a little bit there. They're different uh, tiers, and for those of us who do not have to pay the EU taxes, but they got it all squared away, and uh, after adding the controllers, which were individual, and uh, requesting a wonderful t-shirt, because I love my t-shirts, send me t-shirts, please. I love t-shirts with your brand on it. I'll wear them. I don't know. Did, did, are you excited for this headset, Ian? Or are I, we... I need to try it on. I, it yeah. wasn't, so I'm, I'm waiting. I actually backed the VR ears and I'm waiting on them from way back whenever I backed them a long time ago and it was delayed and didn't have the available funds to make a bet on this one of whether they could make it. So Kyle is someone who, who got on there and kickstarted this. When did they say they're going to ship it to you? And when do you think they'll actually ship it to you? April of next year. And I'm optimistic about it. I'm optimistic about it, that April would actually occur. Just to answer a quick question, Sampler19, did you get the transparent model, Kyle? No, I did not, because I lived through that era where transparent phones were all cool and awesome, and I had one, and I'm just past that now. I, I like the clean design <laughs> of it being opaque. I don't need to see inside of things. No, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on this. I think I got the... Because I am a bespectacled individual if my glasses aren't disappearing in this episode. I wanted to make sure I had the little foam covering thing and it flips up and that's all nice and cool. I'm pretty optimistic that this will come out April uh, of next year. I don't see any reason why there wouldn't be. They've shown that they are, that they have components calibrated. They even had the clear ones. I'm not really certain about the price difference on the clear one versus the opaque black one. I, I, couldn't really justify that. Yeah, I think it's a fun, a fun little thing to be waiting on. The hardware, hardware Kickstarters in the VR scene have been hit or miss. Sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. But that's Kickstarter, right? You don't know. You're hopeful, but yep. it might not actually happen. It happens. And for the record, for everyone, at the time of this recording, it is going to basically it has 800 backers almost at the time of this mm -hmm. recording. And that has gotten them to uh, 525000 so half a million dollars. And that's more than uh, $200,000. Like It's coming up on $200,000 more than their original goal. Uh, they funded in just a matter of hours when they actually launched. And they'll be finishing fundraising on November 8th of 2021. So there's a lot of room for them to raise above their initial goal. And it'll be curious to see how many headsets they end up with having to deliver on this time frame that, that you're optimistic about. Yeah. And the other thing too, is I got in, I, I hope I did, uh, got in early enough that if they do it based on the listing of who ordered what and when a, a logical order of when they ship them out, they can't all be shipped out at once. I can't expect that. But if it's April, if it's May, if it's June, and I've been through this before, so I'm okay with uh, delays of what uh, year. Of, of, of next year i still think i still think that it could come out easily april may next year yeah and the more money they raise the more likely that they'll be able to tackle some of the logistical stuff that's probably going to be the biggest challenge 
I don't know. I don't know. Chris mentioning Tilt 5, talking about uh, not taking another plunge into AR without sort of that device arriving for them. Yeah, I think that's a a really great example of a group that had been through not every conceivable issue with production and kickstarting products prior to actually launching Tilt 5. But like they went through a ton of different real-life experience developing Mm -hmm. and trying to ship consumer ar hardware prior to launching tilt 5 launched tilt 5 and then the most insane like unexpected a pandemic and a chip shortage hit back to back and anyone it, it's just startling to me all these different products coming out in such a short or being announced in such a short span of time I'm really curious to see how many of them actually can deliver on their goals over the next year and a half, given all the unexpected things that have happened and all the unexpected things that could still happen. And the thing with Tilt 5 is deciding who their target audience is and what they wanted to deliver. Cast AR came and went, evolved, went into a cocoon, came out, Tilt 5. And I have actually put that unit that that kit on my head and i've experienced it myself it knows who it's our audience is now the tabletop experience it does that very well i i think that i i don't think that i am specifically the target audience for that headset because i'm not really a tabletop gamer Ooh, big surprise to everybody i'm sure but i don't know i i, I feel like this is a little bit different of a category in the tilt five but yes they are going to experience the same issues of where's my components where's my chips where's my shipping container stuck in a dock outside of california i mean what are going to be the things that are going to cause issues for links especially for those of us in the u.s who this is they're in france it's not like it's in arkansas or something where it's easy to just drive (laughs) over and pick it up yeah i don't know Ah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm curious. I I like seeing the back and forth about the links. And some people are optimistic. Some people are pessimistic. It's is this going to be another headset to just throw into the corner and let it collect dust? Or is it going to be a daily driver? Or is it going to offer something that is intriguing enough that I want to use it more often than the headset that I have on my head right now? I I don't know. know. I mean, maybe I'm just putting my stock in something that's like a pipe dream or I don't know if it's actually going to happen. But I'm curious about this moment when we have like a piece of content that's open XR ready and runs on a quest and something like this. And it's a must have experience between two different standalone or like portable, at least systems. Like, I don't know if like maybe something you keep in your pocket, a pocket compute puck or phone powered vr experience could be considered a standalone but i I, all in two is i think the term htc used at one all in two yeah like if you can have one piece of software run on both of these types of headsets and have a multiplayer experience between them and it's an open oxr based app that can run on multiple things isn't tied to a specific storefront i'm curious to see what happens when we reach that moment in the market? If if we actually see a proof of concept of something that's must have in a standalone space and runs on multiple headsets in that way, is it going to show people that there's like uh, ways to build for these platforms that don't require uh, 
Facebook to have some of the best experiences because that's again and again, I, I think what we're seeing is Facebook demonstrating that the best experience, many of the best experiences are on its headsets, a standalone, or you can connect to a PC and have other great experiences from the PC. And I just, I think of Space Pirate Trainer Arena as this amazing experience. But right now, the only headset you can do it with is an Oculus Quest. When we see that moment when you can do really awesome things, like with this in particular, I don't know, a zombie game where you have like ghosts or zombies in the room with you, chasing you around, and you and a couple other people, like could you have someone in another headset or could you have a multiplayer game with this and and have it on run on not just this headset but another headset and eh, uh, using space pirate arena as the the reason why oh well, you're stuck uh, with the quest if you want to do that type of experience there are quite a number there's a huge community of people who are perfectly content with not having uh, a facebook headset and are enjoying vr to their own degree of their what they consider to be successful acceptability of you know VR experiences tethered to a computer or tethered to a little puck or tethered to their phone. I I do I agree with you Ian that I think that there is a lot of room for exploration of more hardware that can bring these other experiences like Space Pirate Arena. I, I'm really curious to see how this headset handles that i'm curious to see how other headsets that we may or may not discuss if that's even a viable option to have that but the whole idea of having to rely on facebook for the best vr experiences i think there's quite a number of people out there that can make a valid argument that that is not uh Mm, the truth i think facebook is uh, what i'm saying is i think that's Facebook's strategy i'm not saying that they're successful I think VR chat is off of Facebook's platform and provides the only experience plenty of people want. But still, would you? I'd be curious if you looked at the stats, are the majority of people who are enjoying VR chat doing so through a Facebook brand headset? I, I would expect mm. that maybe to be the case. So it's, it's almost inescapable from, depending on which layer you're discussing, somehow using a Facebook technology to have some of your favorite VR experiences. Facebook's strategy is is brilliant because it lowers the barrier of entry by making it easy to get in. Mainstream consumer adoption of VR requires ease and inexpensive hardware. And Facebook is offering that. We can't fault them for doing the thing that's making VR more mainstream. So, Nobody can deny the fact that Facebook has definitely contributed to making VR mainstream. Yeah, People are talking about Decker, the, the rumors we've heard about uh, Valve developing a proof of concept answer to the Quest as a standalone. And I, I think of that device and I have to think that it is the ultimate, like if I was Valve, Space Pirate Trainer Arena would be the thing I would throw at Deckard to prove the concept out. If you have that game running on whatever Valve has built, that's something that I think any any employee at Valve would look at and go, yeah, okay, we're going to make our stuff for that. This is compelling. This is 
awesome. This is what VR should be. Let's let's actually get behind this as a company and build out a VR headset. It's a standalone. But yeah, I would throw something, I would throw that specific game. I, I consider that to be the watermark right now for the next generation of what VR can handle. Then you start looking at other things like Saints and Sinners and Boneworks and Half-Life Alex, and seeing how much of those experiences are runnable on a mobile chip. Yeah, performance-wise, uh, Space Pirate Arena is not a very intense game in terms of processing power needed. Obviously, the network stack is a whole other subject. But I, I think that for the ability to put a Deckard headset or a Lynx headset into the same genre as the Quest, you're right. I think Space Pirate Arena would definitely do that. I want to address something Onakazi says here, and of course it scrolled as I went to go read it. Onakazi says, yes, what about future X headset that will blow this away? Let's pontificate about something that has no set timeline or price. This is something that I actually have this discussion every once in a while online. And yes, those of us who have been in the industry long enough know what features are necessary to push these headsets to the next generation, the next iteration, the next evolution. Those things will happen. Processors get smaller and take less battery power. And yes, there are very obvious things I have said numerous times that someday They'll just look like glasses, just like this, and they won't feel any different than glasses, and they'll do all the wonderful things. Someday, future project, product X, uh, future headset X, Onikaze, yes, there will always be. But what we're looking for when we talk about these headsets is how are they pushing it forward? How, what, what are they adding new to it? Lynx offers a few things that I haven't seen in other headsets. Deckard, if it exists, if it's a real thing gives me things that other headsets don't gives me use cases that other headsets don't so yes i'm naturally going to buy all the iterations so that way i can continue to see the path forward to this future product that we haven't seen yet that'll look just like these on my head on my avatar yeah so the i i, I don't know if this comment is talking about that but the we did talk about the Ray-Ban sunglasses for such a long time because they mm -hmm. introduced a new behavior into my brain where I literally thought to myself, hey, Facebook, take a video. And I didn't actually have any hardware on my head at the time that I, I thought that. And that's what some of these devices are about testing is what does it look like in a future where you don't actually need uh, – you need less and less hardware actually on your body or less and less weight strapped to your body in order to actually uh, capture perspective or augment your view or even take you to another world. Uh, we are eventually going to get there. But I, I, we got so hung up on verifocal displays in these first few years of, of VR because it's one of these things that nobody has really experienced yet. And one of the other things that nobody has experienced is like, haptics that really convincingly completely convince you that like you're holding a cup in your hand like it's just so darn difficult to pull back on your fingers and all the intricate ways you need to actually do to feel like you're holding like an actual physical object that way but we are a decade away from those some of these advances ever being realized. It could take 10, 15, 20 years for some of these things to actually ship. 
right now we're talking about small advancements in field of view in lining up the real world and the physical and the and the digital world and there's actually dramatic things that can change just by doing that and and in this that this headset in particular links it's going to be really amazing to see what kind of software gets developed with that great AR pass-through that we haven't seen with such a wide field of view so far. That's going to be an amazing moment, but it's going to still be incremental in the grand scheme of things of 20 years. Yeah, and you've got pass-through, you've got a unique lens configuration, you've got things that make this headset unique so i'll be curious to see yeah go green and game on kyle you missed a dad joke links atari games yeah i was trying to find a way to work in an atari joke with the links the links consumed what was it like eight double a batteries and it lasts two hours it i'm hoping that the battery life on this thing is uh a little bit better than that that'll be one of the first apps some hacker will make is the handheld for this headset an atari emulator yeah yeah that'd be fun wouldn't that be cool that'd be a fun ar thing to have for the links is like you just put your hands out and then poof here comes an atari links what if you hold what if you could hold the steam deck and have it transform oh oh that hey that's brilliant that's brilliant heaney let's build that Send us the Fire link. You know, Unity. if you build Let's that, please tips at uploadvr.com. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do a whole story about that thing. Heck yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. So I don't know. I think, let's see, Onokazi uh, was not responding to the topic of links, but was responding to the what about ism of announced future products. But that's so. always the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, all there's case. always people get excited. It comes in cycles and mm-hmm. we're constantly always looking what's in the future. And honestly, this month is crazy because I think everyone senses that a, like a change is in the air and these products are crossing a threshold. Facebook has been telling us for the better part of a year now that they think VR has crossed a threshold and is heading towards the mainstream. And they've hit a hockey stick moment, I think is the term. A lot of them refer to it when adoption is going to go crazy. And all these headsets being announced in such a short span of time with new devices left and right, there's going to be plenty of products that don't actually ship or ship super late. There's going to be a lot of dashed hopes and broken dreams out there. But this does have a moment, a a feeling of being completely different than the thing we had five years ago with a PC required, a cell phone required, draining your cell phone's battery in order to slot in VR and have a VR experience for half an hour with a 3 off headset but this is different this is a completely different caliber of moment the, the headsets are that much better in five years time and so it's going to be a very different couple of years here than the one people just feeling whiplash about five years ago i think we're just going through the cycle just like we did with cell phones children come sit around grandpa will tell you the story about how there used to only be one phone and it was hardwired to the wall and it didn't take pictures all you could do, and you didn't even know who was calling when it rang. Yeah. And now you kids, you 10-year-olds, have $1,000 computers in your pocket. And we're getting to that point in the VR scenario where uh, this industry is starting to imitate the ebb and flow of the smartphone market and that's a good thing that's a positive thing because that means that the mainstream adoption will continue to occur 
and headsets will get better and more powerful and they'll get expensive and people will justify the cost because it's all about value not about cost just remember that i like this one you oh, guys man. used to hold screens on your hands ew yeah i yeah. love that because i think yeah. that's I think that's what we're noticing right now is because the pandemic has accelerated a change in consumer behaviors and like we're, we're still, we're going to be catching up. To, it's going to feel like the world is different in just a few years in a way that yep. like the last decade is going to look so much different than this decade. Yeah, absolutely. Someday we might not even talk about the metaverse. That term might go I away. Know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I want to say hi to a few folks. Uh, Skiva, nice to see you here in the house. Welcome, welcome. Agent M83, Mr. Man, Setsune W. Yeah, all right. Hi to all of you out there in the live chat. I love watching it go back and forth. A lot of very good and civil discourse. Thank you. It's nice <laughs> to know. That we can have civil discourse like this. You use your hands. Uh, that's like a yeah. baby's toy. Frodo Baggins, Back to the Future Part Two. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a baby's toy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it oh, is Frodo that. Baggins, though. That's brilliant. it is. That it is. is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. What was that movie that he was in? Uh, Forever Young with Mel Gibson. Oh. No, wait. Was he in that one too? I was thinking. Was he in the one with the, the little uh, radio flyer thing that was? Very sad. I was can't he? Remember. Was I don't know. Am I misremembering my nineties? I could be. I, I, I can't. 90s. I can't remember. Wasn't he in that movie series where he gets a letter that he gets to go and be in a wizard castle? You guys not talk to him for this job. Really? I've spoken to Elijah Wood in 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 the role of a, a VR reporter to talk to him about what was it that he did the he worked his company worked on the really creepy kind of transference something like that it started with a t but someone can pull it up in the comments but he worked on a project yeah. and it was very creepy and yeah i had to talk to him tell him yeah that was it was creepy as heck thanks thanks frodo baggins for all, all you do for mordor and no sort of for gondor i can't believe i slipped up the shire yeah yeah How's Gandalf? That kind of thing. Hey, it, it's fun to it's fun to reminisce about. I I, I put a heavy VR headset on Corey Feldman once. <laughs> I, I look it up. It's out there. L look for my name and Corey Feldman. There's pictures of me hanging out with Corey Feldman. He's about this tall. Yeah, <laughs> we only meet short celebrities. His in eyes, VR. yeah. Says, Elijah yeah. Wood has those eyes. Yeah, those eyes yeah. aren't like contacts. Yeah. What is yeah. what is Elijah Wood's IPD? Yeah. I, ask, I should have asked. Should, I, should that be the yeah. thing I is, ask? Is that everyone? a little invasive to ask like, celebrities? I what did their talk IPs to. Are? So I talked to what's his face, the director of Iron Man. What's his face? I can't think of. It's hard to think. John Favreau. Yeah, yeah I talked to him. Yeah. yeah, he had some great comments about Vive. He was clearly very familiar uh -huh. with what you could do with VR hardware and the development of the stuff he's doing. Yeah, and obviously VR is so important to the. Uh, Marvel Star Wars universe now for visualizing your sets before you actually film your shots. But I think it's so interesting to see what they're doing with the latest Mandalorian sets. You see these giant stages that they're actually able to walk around in and then have kind of the backdrop projected for them mentally, like in the backdrop behind the buildings. It get, It's this incredible sense of being able to do things with the camera that you can't in old green screens with like just the actors playing against nothing. They can't actually see anything. And it's interesting to think of, I've, I've always been wondering like in a couple of years, do you remember mind show? Did you ever like the, the game mind show? Hmm. 
Remember that recall. one, the one where you could act out the characters in front of the mirror oh, and record a little right. movie? Yeah. Like that's that platform that completely went and disappeared. And it was a cool idea. But could that have a rebirth where you really can create whole animated movies in VR using nothing but your VR headset? Yes, you've been able to do that for years now, but it hasn't really taken off. And I'm curious yeah. if it really could. In the Mind show, that was the VR LA, Cosmo and Johnny. That's the, yeah, they were doing that. Yeah, whatever happened to that? Hi, Cosmo. If you're out there somewhere, how you doing? Thinking of you. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. All sorts of fun applications, isn't there? Yeah. I wonder if uh, John Favreau will pick up one of these Canon lenses and <laughs> produce some content. Uh, I'd be get curious if you pick up a Lynx because a Lynx would be a nice fit for uh, visualizing yeah. some of your... Yeah. No, absolutely. And he can flip it up if he needs to and all that. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this last piece because I'm excited to, to hear your take on if anything new has come from the last time we talked about this. HTC Vive Flow. The teasers are a-flowing. Looks like a lot. Yeah, it does. It does look like it's Proton concept. So we saw HTC's latest teaser for its upcoming big announcement show. Shows an almost identical shape to its concept it revealed in early 2020 of this guy here, the Bumblebee headset, as I was calling it. It does look like that that might be. Then again, this is maybe we're taking a too big of a leap here in, in thinking that this is the most generic shape possible. But the bump, it's the bump around ah. the glasses right here. That's a selling. It's the exact outline here. And then you see this clip right here where that the earpiece comes across it has to be like it's such a perfect matchup the selling point there i saw the panasonic glasses that were so flat and thin you took a little bit of a sacrifice on field of view and there might be some ghosting if you go with that kind of like optical path but mm -hmm. you could so the thing that we were talking about earlier that you alluded to kyle about a three doff or like a passive I, yeah, I hate it. I think there's a space between uh, passive and three doff and six doff where you actually give a person six doff comfort to be able to lean around some things while also being a passive media viewer device. If you can combine both of those things, have a passive media viewer device that is six doff comfortable for watching 2D content on a flat screen, like uh, either floating in the room or anchored to a wall, that is potentially a very interesting consumer product. That could <laughs> what what yeah. do we call this? Is it like, let's see, between three DOF and six, it's not four and a half DOF because that's another DOF and a half. Uh, is it three DOF plus? It's it's is six it, DOF. It's a six DOF headset <sighs> that is focused around three DOF content. Like it's uh, flat <sighs> My screen My head content. just exploded. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 mean, I get what you're saying, though, and yeah. I think you're right. I, I think this flow, floton, because it's the proton and the fl floton, it, it may actually be something like that. Like you were saying, is that it's three off content, but you can still move around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but that the proton is not meant for. This doesn't look like it's going to have any level of AR components. It's only uh, going to be VR. Is this their go? Is this their Go Plus? You can see hidden underneath these lenses, there's something you can see. There's And as long as that's there, you could have, as long as there's tracking and cameras there, you can have pass-through and you can have tracking that will, 
ease those comfort issues that were so terrible with the Oculus Go. And I, I think it's interesting that they call it Go with the flow. It to give you the Go idea. Left off. And yeah. to be Go clear, plus. I think, I really do think I heard, so at each Oculus Connect event, I would go and find John Carmack in the hallways answering questions for hours, just anyone that would come up and answering questions about VR. And I would sneak in a couple of questions over those hours. But I swear, I'm pretty sure that there is the belief out there that Oculus Go had a future that, that wasn't realized where you could have had sixed off comfort in a $200 device. And if you could have that, how compelling a device would that be? And by by Facebook focusing on Quest, maybe they missed out on maybe a compelling product that this product beats them to market with, essentially. Like maybe there was a Go Plus or Go 2 that just got axed in favor of focusing on the Quest line since it's such a more compelling short-term win for them but yeah i just i guess i want to get on the bandwagon here early in just saying that i think sixed off comfort with passive experiences could be a hit and i'm curious to see like what the eventual quest without controllers looks like in comparison to what this thing ends up doing See, we're really actually having the same conversation we started this stream with about whether or not 3DOF content has any value to the industry as a whole, to the mainstream consumer. Because if this is passive in terms of it's not interacting, it's to consume and not to touch things and move things around and play games and stuff, and it's just for consumption, then we're really still having that same conversation. Is the Go, there's nothing that stops the Go from still being a viable product right now. Like they could sell the Go right now to only consume passive content. I uh, they could, I, but and yet I, they don't. And honestly, but why no, would Facebook do that? Then I had my own opinions at the time that the the gap between the quality of these products was so significant that you're confusing people who go out and end up with a Go when they thought they were getting a Quest, and that's sure, that sort of confusion. issue, like. Quest sure. selling off the shelves and the Go is the only product you, you, you see when you actually go to the store. You've got the Oculus for your kid, but it's not the right yeah. Oculus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, so I thought kids, there was we that. have Oculus at home. Yeah. <laughs> there was that old joke. I, I did directly say that to, I think, Jason Rubin at Facebook, and he was like, okay, go get your refund if that's what happens to you. So it was a very jokey response that took it in stride. But I think there was confusion there uh, a little bit to to some extent. But again, I think it makes sense to focus in on Quest first and then come back to the prospect of selling a device without without a controller at all. Because, of course, Go had a controller that was a laser pointer, and that was not great. When it comes back, it should have hand tracking. Yeah, unfortunately, as a father of four daughters living away from my point of origin, we have had products sent as gifts for my children that were purchased by relatives, grandparents that were, we got Borby dolls and we got play static instead of playstation and we got the knockoffs and in the confusion i get that the confusion that could exist in an ecosystem where there's two products that oh they're both oculus 
this one's 300 and this one's only 100. So I'll just get him that one because it's still an Oculus. And then the kid opens it up and it's like, what am I doing with this? This isn't what I wanted. Now I have. And your developers are selling for a headset that's going to, that doesn't have a future as much as this hand controlled interface. And again, they've got everything we've seen here is they're trying to offer developers a path to develop for six off controllers first as the minimum. And then also to have a a path to hand tracking alone. So it seemed like a necessary step to get rid of the three DOF tracker input system and focus a little bit around six DOF input. I've always felt that the Go coming out was an experiment to see if the passive experience would be enough for some people. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. I'm sure you don't either. But there was quite a number of Go's sold. Uh, purchase. It, it wasn't a flash in the pan and poof, nobody bought it. People purchased this headset. There was content made for this headset. There was a whole slew of stuff that was ported over so that way you could play this stuff on this headset. It, it, was it a failure? or was the conceptually was the passive experience just not up to snuff? And if that's the case, then what lessons need to be learned by other folks if we're presuming that the flow is going to be, or I'm going to call it the flow ton from now on, if that is a passive experience or somewhere in between what the Go and the Quest offer, I'm interested to see if, is HTC trying to capitalize on the Go's success or maybe even to make more success than what the Go could have potentially had? I don't know. Yeah, people in the comments mentioning business use cases for 3DOF headsets and how big the use case is for an inexpensive 3DOF headset in business markets. I I think it's one of these things about the VR market that I've I've personally had a very tough time wrapping my head around is the benefit that you gain from watching a 3DOF strapped uh, training video is actually pretty significant if it's uh, stereoscopic and super wide angle you can actually still do you can start, still learn things in that format even though uh, for consumers interactivity and comfort are lacking from that three doff you know video where you're stuck in place so like how it's tough to keep in your head both of these realities that for consumers uh three doff is not comfortable and can make a person want out of their headset after 10 minutes to 10 to 20 minutes. It could make a person that uncomfortable. While also, if you need to go in for 15 minutes of training at your job, the 3DOF headset can actually provide you an affordable way of doing that in a way no other medium can match. And how both those things, like both those use cases are true and realities of this market at the exact same time, is a hard thing for people to grasp. Like the same thing that's awful to wear for 20 minutes could actually be useful for work. There was a comment here. Jonas Sandstedt says, think the question here of success is not the number of headsets sold, but the hours used. I've been thinking about that quite a bit. The value of a headset, is it dictated by the amount of time you spend in it, the amount of consumption used. Because I think that you could make the argument that if you were intentionally consuming passive stuff, video, training stuff, maybe meditation software, I would think that the Go might have had more time used than 
folks jumping around and doing games and beating their sabers. You can only do that for so much at a time. I wonder if there's any metrics or statistics that uh, Facebook could share with us. I can't believe I can't believe you said beating their sabers on our show. I'm just that's incredible. What turn of phrase? So I've said it before. (laughs) One of the people. uh, Yeah, I know. It's just in the in the setting of talking about three off versus six off. It's a very uh, fitting thing to bring up. So the thing I want to talk about is people mixing up three off content and passive content. Like I think we're talking about a few different things here that are getting mixed up. Imagine having access to your Netflix library, your Amazon, whatever your streaming services are. Imagine having a 120-inch screen or something like that that you can hang from any wall, uh, ceiling in your house, anywhere, and it will just hang there on that surface as long as you want that video pinned to, to, to that wall. Now imagine also having access to maybe apps or widgets that you could hang on other walls or other places. That's something a device like this might be able to do exceedingly well. And you can still sixed off move around the thing that's hanging from the wall. It'll still look like it's in the correct spot. But you're passively viewing a lot of flat content in that format. Um, I'd be curious if situations like video games where you want to watch or play a video game on a giant screen streamed from another device in your home, if that's going to end up being a big use case for these virtual screens that we're going to have in a couple of years. But I just, we always forget that having virtualized screens is one of the key uses of VR headsets, yet they're just not used a whole lot because people don't like wearing these headsets for more than 20 minutes at a time right now. So I'm going to ask you personally, Ian, how often do you have something on a big screen on your TV, maybe in your living room or your bedroom or whatever, and you choose to get up and move around and do other stuff while that watching experience is happening on a wall or on a shelf somewhere? How often does that really happen? So I had this experience last night, and it was fascinating because I think it was the first time I'd seen this uh, since the latest version of all the Apple software rolled out to all my devices. But I had my AirPods sitting next to my TV or sitting in my bedroom, and it gave me a pop-up on the Apple TV that said, press this button to use your AirPods to listen to your TV and uh, to listen to your Apple TV. And I was watching Squid Game. And I, yeah, I tried this out. I put the AirPods in and synced them up to my TV and then hit play and walked into the other room with my AirPods in, listening to Squid Game, playing in the other room, a behavior that I never, ever would have done if I didn't have the audio walking with me as I went. And that's the type of thing like I will want to do with VR headsets and AR headsets in the coming years. Like I want to walk with them on my head from room to room and not have to take them off uh, or hit pause on something because I've walked from one place to another. And there's of course that software handoff that might eventually happen where imagine it's on your wall, but when you get up, it comes with you and you actually can have it. So that would be more (laughs) of a three doff experience. And see, I, I wonder about just because we can, should we type of mentality so if we want to watch a movie a passive experience we don't want to get up and walk away from the screen because we'll miss something especially if it's something that we've watched 
like this is the first time watching it. I'm I'm wondering if HTC with the flow is going to themselves saying when people sit down to watch a movie, they sit down and watch a movie. It's a passive experience. You're not getting up and doing a bunch of other stuff. So maybe, and this is where I wonder about the go is why didn't the go have that oomph in the industry? And I wonder if there's a lesson to be learned here that HTC is just ignoring and saying, eh, no, people do want to just sit down with a bowl of popcorn and the little puck sitting next to them doing whatever it is that puck does and float on up some stuff and consume it. I just, I wonder if maybe the industry wasn't ready for the go and yeah. the flow well, is going to, <laughs> I don't know. So it's funny. And while you were talking about that, I was imagining this, like there's a scene in children of men. I think I remember where there's this guy sitting at the table, like just lost in his device that's right in front of him. And of course it's like the hallmark of the last 10 years is people being lost in their devices while at the table or, or just hanging around the living room. You have four kids all sitting around the same living room, all enveloped in their own flat screen device in, in front of them. But what's interesting is we've got this new generation of technology, like the watch together feature on Disney plus that lets you just send a link to a family or friend, and then uh, it'll sync the playtime to everyone. And if you combine that with like untethering the video itself from the wall, you, you have this like even more, it even sounds even more dystopian right now to imagine it. But imagine like you and family members all watching something at the same time synced up, but you're actually. Or imagine you're watching <laughs> the same thing as your family members, but you're all in different rooms of the house or you're all actually watching it on different screens. One of you is watching it on your glasses as you're walking around the house or cleaning the yard. One of you is in a different location watching the same thing. You're all on the same audio chat and chatting about what you're watching, but you're all not gathered around the same screen at the same time. You're gathered around different screens, different screens at the same time. And some of those screens maybe even can walk around with you in new ways. That's the behavior change that we're talking about happening in the next five to 10 years, I think. Yeah. If you really think about it, as you were talking, I was realizing your phone is a three DOF experience pinned to yeah. your hand. <laughs> the screen is pinned to your hand and you move your head around. And if somebody says something to you, you look up, you talk to them, you look back and it's right there on your hand, your phone screen is a three DOF experience. So maybe with this little wire coming down from this headset, maybe interacting with the phone is part of what the Floton. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing things out because we don't actually know. We don't know. Or is it Daniel says uh, you were censored by Facebook? Uh, yeah, because I they muted you. The, yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, does that get us more viewers? If like we put "censored by Facebook" in our YouTube title, is that is that how the is algorithm that, works? Please with share an our exclamation link. We don't mark. do that. Yeah, yeah, exclamation mark too. You have to put the exclamation <laughs> mark because that that breaking news. Yeah, you got to do that. And the more you have, I, I I keep waiting for the video. It's just exclamation marks across the number one video on YouTube. Yeah, oh, algorithms aren't they fun? Aren't they fun? I don't know. There's all sorts of fun conversation. I think the theme today was active versus passive, but we do have this one last little render that may or may not be real. It was uh, posted to LinkedIn by the uh, the current head of the company. So 
I believe this is a our first peek at the next Magic Leap device, and I it's just that was one of the things like when I was when I came in here to say at the beginning of this that like things are changing rapidly. There's probably going to be a lot more known about this pretty soon, and it was teased right before we came into the studio here. Where this is one of just so many headsets. I remember when the original Magic Leap came out. I drove so far to see it and actually see where the hype landed on that thing yeah. and i wonder if this will yeah. be any better at actually taking well, the device outdoors he, 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 here's a simple basic thing that is not unfortunately is not being recognized by the industry as a whole as much as i think it should i'm a huge advocate for this topic uh the three times that I have had a Magic Leap accessible to me to use, they are not glasses friendly. I am a bespectacled individual, as is more than 60% of the planet, and uh, I cannot use a Magic Leap with my glasses on. And that is unfortunate. That is very unfortunate. I actually got a pair of contact lenses to put in to be able to try the Magic Leap to get a real true understanding of how it works. I'm sorry if, if your headset doesn't allow for people to wear glasses with it then I have a really hard time supporting uh, your I technology. It. Yeah, it's, too I, exclu- it's, it's not inclusive enough for me. Yeah, that's one of those things that's being learned by the Ray-Ban. It's just I'm how many people need those prescription inserts and all that for the, yep. the next phase of this. I love this comment talking about relearning the difference between Magic Leap and Leap Motion. And, uh, <laughs> of course, Leap Motion combined with Ultra Haptics, I think was the name of the company. And so now right. Ultra Leap. And Magic Leap are yeah. two completely different companies. I was expecting them, since they offer different pieces of the puzzle, Magic Leap should really buy Ultra Leap. And they've become this super merged company called, you know, Super Ultra Magic, Magic Ultra Leap. Yeah. yeah. Ultra Magic Leap. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. But we see cameras now seems to be the the general thing to do is to put cameras on the sides. That's good. And that seems to be the industry standard now. Cameras on the side. The bar here leads me to believe that there is some magic and stuff inside of this. And very flat surface here for this. The commenters are saying, I think mm -hmm. most of the details are out now. So we'll get get in there. And I'm sure that, yeah, we'll we'll have the latest on this on UploadVR.com very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to predict a uh, 60 degree field of view. Still doesn't support people with glasses. I will. I love being wrong with this sort of stuff when I make predictions, and then I find out I was totally wrong. I love it because I'm trying to be pragmatic here and say that this may be another piece of hardware that I cannot wear with my glasses. Yeah. It's, mm. Looks like uh, Paradise Decay is saying the HCC flow just got leaked. Just saw it on Twitter, a website called protocol okay yeah well, protocol is assuming that they're well known they're usually breaking stuff so yeah that seems likely we'll it feels like we should we wrap up and go yeah. see what kind of shenanigans are happening oh, no. out how on? many headsets broke and were announced in this the hour we're in here that's how quickly they're reproducing like little gremlins that you poured water yeah. on somebody somebody got it wet the the flow of water uh, landed and got it wet. okay all the right so flow. wait what? the conspiracy what? they do it as a com- oh Oh. Are you a replicant, Ian? I think you are. <laughs> I think you are. I think you are. Do you know origami? Do you know how to do origami? Oh, that would be fantastic. I should do that. I, I do a little crane. Or what does he do? What does he make? It's for a, the... I think it's a crane. Yeah. 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 A little bird. Yeah. 
No, it's a. It's I know unicorn. how to do origami. It's a unicorn, isn't it? it? It is a unicorn. It's made out of like a uh, gum wrapper, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, this has all been wonderful and fun and a lot of really great comments in the YouTube chat. If you are watching this after it's live, like, subscribe, hit smash that bell, blah, 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 all that nonsense. But try to catch us live someday. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends to come in. You guys can all have a wonderful conversation here in the chat. Guys, girls, everyone's invited. I think that it would be fun to get like the whole industry, like all of us in the chat for next week. Wouldn't that be fun, Ian? <laughs> all of us. Just, all of us. Uh, just everyone. have an entire hour and a half conversation about which terms to use and we'll all just yes. agree. Uh, Less. Set, set it all at, uh, in the past. It'll you know, never be argued again. We'll just set it. Let's one, have one a consortium, a meeting of the minds. We can all come together and settle it all diplomatically with Ian and I moderating because that, that, that should be fine. And I'm sure Ian and I will agree with everything 100%. But anyway, yeah. So bring your friends come next week, Monday, noon Pacific, check out VR download. And uh, in the meantime, don't forget Thursday show, which is games. I don't know. Are we going to end up having Thursday show? Cause I know Uh, there's some other uh, Jamie and Sienna are, have their uh, hands full with lots of things being shipped to their front door. Yes. Yes. Their Uh, eyes and heads uh, are full right now. Yeah. So there's going to be, uh, there's lots of hardware and software for us to get through in the coming weeks. And we're going to have to figure out what sort of schedule we're going to be able to hold inside the studio during uh, this crazy season. Because there's a lot of things to get out there to, for people to ask questions about. Yeah. So I think it would probably be wise for all of you to keep a tab open in your browser of choice attached to uploadvr.com. Open it up, leave it open, refresh it every so often because you never know what fun, exciting news is going to break. And Ian will scramble around and ignore my Slack comments. And uh, because he's typing away, he's typing away, he's writing the next wonderful article for, for you. Yeah. You have control over the camera. You could just set it. But I, it's the, kind of, I, yeah. I also but have then control I over steal, my head. I, and, but then I steal. See, it's all voice activated. Yeah. That's the new. Uh, that's the new headset, the acti- activated headset. See, here I am. Okay, all right. Let's go see what kind of <laughs> shenanigans are are filling our feeds. And uh, yes, so to all of you out there on YouTube land and also on the podcast, thank you very much for watching and listening. We'll see you in the future. Bye bye.